Bee's Nest, produced in association with Foul Writing. Zara, I don't know where to start. It's all been kicking off here since you've left. It makes me quite glad that you've decided to write to me because, even if I knew how to get to you, I don't think I'd be able to see you anyway. Everyone's going mad, Zara, and I don't know what to do. Your dad did something. At first, I heard he just knocked some common sense into Florence, and I thought that it was karma. You know that homophobic old bat never liked me. But now he's been carted off to the hospital, Florence is stuck in the room next to him, and her husband in the room after that, and my cousin Jeremy in the room after that. It's insane. You remember Jeremy, right? He used to be such a little idiot, but he didn't mean any harm. I've only been to see him once, and I don't think I'll ever unsee the state I saw him in. I knocked on the door, but no answer. Just the heavy sound of my fist against the whitewashed wood. So I let myself in. I shouldn't have. He was crouched in the corner like some sort of deformed gargoyle, feet planted firmly on the seat of the chair and knees drawn to his chest. Everything about him was rigid. His back was ramrod straight, his fingers were intertwined like gnarled branches of the tree we used to climb together and fall out of as kids. I've never seen him like that before, Sarah. It's terrifying. How are you, Jeremy? I'd heard that your dad went berserk, um, got a little riled up, because Florence was too persistent, so I made sure I was calm and quiet. He just looked at me. He didn't say a word. You know Jeremy, Sarah. He's a gobby little brat. He's never silent. Jeremy? Go away. Honestly, the nerve. Jeremy, I'm just here to check on you. Go away, Clara. Jeremy, don't be so rude. I know. I know. You're telling me not to act like his mother. I know what you're like, Sarah. Next thing I know, he's screaming and charging out of his chair. I don't really know what happened. There was a lot of screaming and a lot of rubber soles squeaking against the floor as about six doctors and nurses burst into the room and shoved him into one corner. It's strange now that I think about it. All of their skin was covered. Gloves, medical masks and turtlenecks thick enough to rival a 90s boy band. The matron, who's in charge of caring for your dad, by the way, grabbed my shoulders and shook me. What were you thinking, child? I can't help but think that she was being a little rude, seeing as I'd just been attacked by a patient, but oh well, these things happen, I guess. I I think I'm okay. She was screeching and howling, asking if he'd touch me. She shook me and shook me, and the other nurses just shot me a look that screamed, just bloody answer! So I told her no, that Jeremy didn't touch me, that the staff members saved me just in time, and that I was oh so grateful. They let me go home after that. Every time I close my eyes, I see him snarling at me like a rabbit dog. I haven't been able to sleep since I saw him. I suppose this is the point where I tell you that there's no point in replying. I won't be around to read it anyway. I know this is confusing, and I know you won't get this letter for a while. I had to send this to your old address, so who knows when you'll find it. I told the nurse I didn't know, but I did. You know too, don't you, Sarah? You know what I'm going to say. Jeremy grabbed me. He grabbed me by the throat, and now I'm laid up in the room next to Jeremy, who's in the room next to Florence's husband, in the room next to Florence, in the room next to your dad. It's the egg, Sarah. It's always been the bloody egg. Promise me you won't touch the... the thing that came out of it. You need to promise me, Sarah. You can't end up like me. You just can't. Oh, 
and the ghosting thing, don't worry about it. I really panicked for a moment, but then I realised that you wouldn't leave me without telling me something first. You're not that kind of person. And if you were, I'd kick your ass into next week, but that's not the point. The point is that I miss you too, Sarah. So much. I'll always miss you. Please try to get some sleep. God knows I won't. Love, Clara. Thank you very much for that. Oh, thank you for that having me. Very <laughs> enjoyable to to hear um, a new voice again. Yes. More new voices coming along. <laughs> um, so, do you want to talk a bit about the character that you've chosen to write? Yes, of course. So, I chose Clara, who was introduced by Melissa in Letter Six, as the potential love interest, childhood friend of Sarah, Sarah, who was Olya and Flynn's daughter. Yes, so yes. I I've been interpreting it as Sarah's partner. Yes. Girlfriend. And kind of from the discussion that I had with Melissa, that was kind of what she was thinking as well, I think. Yeah. Um so that's really interesting that we've got these young two young voices, whereas pretty much everyone has been older. They've yeah. been an adult, they've been um in their I don't know how old necessarily <laughs> they are, but 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 much older, much more yeah. mature voices. And that is coming from writers our age who are not, I'm not saying we're not mature. <laughs> I mean, I'm but talk, not, not going to talk for you. Mostly, yeah. yeah, exactly. We we are in our uh, young adulthood. Yes. Um, so it's interesting to see characters kind of around our age being represented in this series yeah. for the first time months into its run. Yeah. I found that kind of interesting. Do you do you did you what what made you want to take on that kind of voice? I noticed actually the same as you that there wasn't really many young adult voices that were being represented and put out there in terms of letters. I also um I knew from the start that Melissa was planning on introducing this character but wasn't obviously giving her the voice because she was introducing her as Sarah. So I thought that it would be really interesting as someone who prefers to write as a young adult voice anyway to bring in this aspect of like the younger take on it like the other perspective because they clearly have a different viewpoint on what's going on to the adults mm-hmm. and that hadn't been put across as much as the others I don't think yeah I think also there's there's something that comes with a young adult's tone a young adult kind of way of writing that it, it, it's much more contemporary it feels much more alive almost yeah um I think that comes with not we didn't grow up writing letters (laughs) yet so um i think there's a kind of the form is different did you find it difficult to write a teen letter it was it was a bit of a struggle at first i had to rewrite it a few times because obviously that in primary school you're taught to write a letter of persuasion or a letter of complaint Mm -hmm. you're not taught to write about like like a potential love interest of an 18 year old girl who doesn't know where her potential love interest is. Like, you're not taught that. Surprisingly enough. Yeah, hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> but you're not taught about that. So I, it took me a while, but I just figured at the end of the day, she was going to write in a way that she would probably speak to her anyway. Mm-hmm. It's just that she can't speak to her, so she has to put it on paper. Yeah. So I ended up just writing it as if it was a really, really long monologue of her just letting it all out. <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's something about when we write letters, we're kind of turning 
messages into letters. You yes. know, we're turning like tweets or uh, uh, emails or, yeah. you know, direct messages into letters rather than I think the generation above us, our parents are doing it the other way around. Yes, They're turning definitely. letters into tweets and emails and yeah. messages. Um, so I think that's a kind of cool way and it comes across as this like much more alive voice. It's not it's not very formal, whereas some of the other yeah. letters have been very formal. Um, so this letter deals with the disease. Yes. The ongoing debacle of this uh, disease rampaging somewhere in the country. Yes. <laughs> um, and it is affecting more and more people. And we kind of focus on uh, on Clara herself and also on her cousin Jeremy. Yes. Um, this incident. Do you what what kind of inspired you to come up with Jeremy as a character because he's not been mentioned before? Yeah, I think I needed to give her a reason to get sick. Basically, right. I wanted her to suffer because I'm a terrible person. But also, <laughs> like, I needed to give her a reason because while I noticed that in um, Melissa's letter she asked Clara to go and check on her dad or ask someone about her dad. But I don't think she would actually go in and see him because mm. obviously she's a bit like, oh, I don't know. So I figured she needed a reason to go to the hospital and find out what was happening and kind of understand the scope of the disease. So Jeremy was just this, like her reason, like the point of her going and the point right. of the letter almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, he's obviously a cousin rather than a sibling. Yes. What? sort of was that just because you didn't want to make it too real or too yeah, close a little bit also it was like cousin was just the first to spring to mind almost i don't know why where that came from <laughs> but it just it seemed really interesting like the setting they've created it's like a contemporary setting but it kind of harks back to like an older time in like a, like it's a weird um like shift between this contemporary voice and this perhaps older, more rural setting mm. where maybe, like, ev not everyone has siblings. Maybe she's an only child. Maybe her siblings aren't around. Maybe her siblings have gone to uni. Like, we don't know. Like, it just opens up so many different avenues to see how big her family is. Yeah. It also, I, f I feel like it, it, it harkens back almost to, to that rural life you're saying. Yeah. It reminds me a bit of the archers, that kind of thing <laughs> where it's like everyone knows everyone. Yeah. You know, oh, well, you remember her from next door and my cousin, you remember him. We used to climb trees together yeah. and it, it's everyone. It feels like a community that yeah, we've definitely. kind of built over the series, which is really cool. Um, so how much did you research this? I, I ask this whenever someone brings <laughs> yeah. up the disease because it's such a weird disease. Do you, did you do any medical research at all? Or were you just like, whatever, stones, it's cool? I mean, I pretty much took the whatever, stones, it's cool route. Mm -hmm. I figured it was probably best to leave it like, ambiguous, but kind of morbid at the same time, because it leaves whoever's coming after me to then do what they will with it yeah. and take what they want from it. Obviously, it's bad. I mean, there's plenty of them in hospital. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sarah's dad's gone a bit nuts. But it leaves it a bit open. And obviously... We don't. We still don't know really what was in the egg. We don't really know what it was. So how can we know what the disease is? Almost. Sure. sure. So you don't know what's in the egg. I you have, still have no idea. I have no idea. I've left that up to whoever's after me. Yeah. I can't wait to find out. It's it's that's been the case with everyone. Yeah. I think uh, everyone has said, "Oh no, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it for someone else." Oh, but definitely. if everyone does that, we'll <laughs> never find never out. Just never gonna know. Uh, <laughs> So um, how, speaking of the, the past writers and future writers, how much influence did you take from the previous letters and how much thought did you put into 
who was coming after you? Um, I listened to all of the podcasts. Like, I keep up with it anyway. But I listened to them all again as I was writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I took note of Honey's, uh, mainly um, Abigail and Melissa's as well, but that's because I live with them. Like, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I took note of them, and I noticed that um, there was this kind of interplay where Flynn's almost being like left out. Obviously, he's being left out of the loop. Like, look at him, he's a mess. But <laughs> but it was almost like nobody really knew what was happening to him past Abby's letter. And she was like, oh, he's at home. He's coming in and out of the hospital. Honey's obviously said that it's really not good. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wanted to play on that a little bit and take from it and kind of elaborate and find out what really is going on with Flynn because we don't really know all too much about him despite him having one of the most written voices in the series I still don't feel like we knew much about him as a person or what he's been going through really because for all we know he's downplaying it for whoever he's writing his letters to so I kind of wanted to like touch on that a bit and then leave it open for whoever was next because I obviously I could have responded as Olya to Flynn but I chose not to because I don't like him so (laughs) I decided not to but um like it's open for them to either be Sarah finding out what's going on or Olya or someone replying to Flynn like it just leaves a lot of avenues open yeah okay I mean we have several more letters to come yeah so it's gonna something I, I feel like we're, we're on the edge of this kind of breakthrough <laughs> with the story um We've got to get there at some point <laughs> yeah um so yeah you were saying about Flynn he's not been dis- we feel like we don't know him and I think because he's so mysterious it's deliberate almost yeah, he's definitely. leaving us double life he's you know, he he's he's now he's sick and he's the starter of all of this. He's kind yeah. of the the patient zero, I guess. Um, so uh, in the description of the disease, you you mentioned that uh, Jeremy looked almost rabid, um, which I think is kind of this. It's a is a very provocative image. Yeah. Um, and it's very scary to some to, to anyone. I think we we sort of grow up with this fear of rabies <laughs> yeah. as this like oh don't go near scary dogs and yeah. people and things because you might get rabies it was one of those things i don't know for you oh, for no, me it definitely. was like it was like don't know if you're a dog you don't know what it's called yeah quite like yeah sure because all dogs have rabies yeah, exactly. um but uh yeah so so i don't know if you have any personal experience with kind of that kind of scary uh encounters with this kind of rabid thing this this kind of beast or creature or something like that. I don't want to pry too much. No, it's fine. <laughs> um, I haven't, but my friend from primary school mm-hmm. was. Obviously, it wasn't rabbit, but it was borderline feral. It just wasn't a well-trained dog. Yeah. And it was, it was, I remember her telling me about it, and we were only like nine at the time, but she was, I don't think she's ever been near a dog since. She just crosses the road to get away from dogs because she can't unsee the way it came at her. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when a dog comes at you like that, I mean, I wouldn't know, but I would assume that, like all you can see is it wanting to go for your throat and that's all she can remember was that it was just coming at her and it just kind of that dawned on me when I was writing about it because I was like well it's all well and good he's like sat there mysterious in a corner and all that but there's nothing really I wouldn't I don't even know how to word it there's nothing really almost engaging about someone sitting in a corner Mm -hmm. until you see how it affects their psyche yeah. it's all well and good someone being sick like that I mean it's not good but it's, it's it's like yes they're sick like that they're turning parts of them what seems to be into stone but we haven't seen how it affects them psychologically yet 
which is why I kind of wanted to delve into the fact that he doesn't care who he's going at. He's just going to go at someone if he's angry. Mm. And I kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, that's going to stay with this character yeah. forever, I think. Like, you can't unsee when someone snaps like that. Yeah. Um, and, and this kind of, it almost kind of leads into a kind of mental health discussion. Yes. Um, that is really prevalent in young adult fiction at the moment. Mm-hmm. Do you have, do you read a lot of YA? Is that kind of yes. your thing? I, I enjoy like young adult, new adult fiction. So verging into like the 20s, 21 year old protagonists. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of stuff that I enjoy reading, especially the more contemporary stuff because they're touching on more relevant issues. Mm-hmm. So I do read a lot of YA, new adult that touches on mental health. I think it's really important for those sorts of books to be and like text to be put out there for people who might not have like the means or the or the courage to go and talk to someone about how they're feeling like texts not even well, I mean not like this this is awful <laughs> but texts that um touch on these issues are really important for people who isolate themselves and need discussions about mental health which is why I kind of wanted to touch on it a little bit here yeah. Yeah, you also mentioned um, homophobia as well in the beginning, which also, again, is kind of a huge topic Mm -hmm. in contemporary young fiction. Yes. um, And hugely important one. So um, do you have any... uh, Let's let's do this. Do you have any recommendations that if people are interested in this kind of issue, these kind of things that are being brought up in your letter, what should they go and read? I mean, mental health, there are so many. Mm -hmm. Um, Turtles All the Way Down, John Green. Sure so good um i mean it's ironic but i for my dissertation i'm writing about 13 reasons why okay actually surprisingly good book wow (laughs) terrible tv series awful tv series but the book touches on so many important issues that i was very surprised that the tv series was so awful (laughs) like they just twisted it and i will continue to write about that until someone pays attention (laughs) (laughs) um perks being a wallflower not quite as contemporary still brilliant yeah just anything like along those lines if you search one of them you'll find hundreds of recommendations yeah. you put them in goodreads and they'll just keep bothering you <laughs> yeah, until you've read them all never go. <laughs> yeah um okay that was everything i had oh, thank you. was there anything else you wanted to add uh well good luck to whoever's after me i think I it might wait. be me well good luck i can't <laughs> wait to find out where you take it so can, neither can i i have no idea <laughs> all right thank you very much Lucy. thank you Thanks for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and join us again next time for the next episode of Nest. In the meantime, check out everything else we do at foulwriting.com.